Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, y'all? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. Today, we are going to be talking hoops with my good friend, Eli Becker, founder of Heat Check CBB. He is one of the brightest minds in all of college basketball and one of the individuals that I certainly respect the most. I love picking his brain on all things Mountain West. We were able to talk about the rise of New Mexico and why it's good for programs like them and San Diego State to be good just in terms of the national respect that the league gets. We obviously talked about CSU. I asked him if he felt like CSU's issues were correctable or not. We talked about Wyoming's problems. I know you guys are really going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, my interview with Eli Becker of Heat Check CBB on the Mountain West, CSU, and why come March, the Rams are still going to be a team that nobody wants to draw in the Mountain West tournament. All right, joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use that code DNVR when you sign up. We've got a good friend of the program, Eli Bedger, founder of Heat Check CBB, one of the brightest minds in all of college basketball and a Mountain West aficionado. So I wanted to get him on here, pick his perspective, because there's really nobody more qualified to talk Mountain West hoops, to talk CSU. I guess first things first, I just want to go kind of into the league as a whole. Who's the biggest surprise to you? Because I think everybody expected New Mexico to take a leap. You saw how competitive they were at the end of last year. I don't know if I expected this, though. Yeah, I I had them as my dark horse heading into the year, and it was a pretty cut-and-dry observation. You return pretty much all of your studs from the year before at a couple of notable transfers, and it kind of hits the right mix of a dark horse. New Mexico has been phenomenal. I think they're so far along compared to what I was expecting this year. Uh, obviously, didn't expect them to be the final undefeated team and did not expect them to be ranked at any point this year. But it's a it's a credit to what that staff has assembled there. But I I I'd be remiss if I didn't mention San Jose State. It's there aren't there haven't been many opportunities where you can say too many positive things about the Spartans since they joined the Mountain West. It's it's been bleak. Uh, they've They've been one of the weaker teams in college basketball for over a decade now. But what Tim Miles has done with this program in a short amount of time to get them to where they are, they've already won 11 games. And most seasons, they don't even scratch the double-digit win mark to go 2-0 so far in conference conference play. 
just been really, really impressive. So it has there's like the the tip of the hat to New Mexico of yes, this team is legit and can win NCAA tournament games, but there's also the tip of the hat to San Jose State of what they've accomplished so far. And even even being in this conversation where they could maybe finish, I don't know, top seven, top eight in the Mountain West, that's that's a really that's a really cool deal for them. So it's it's been a good year so far for the conference. Obviously a tough one for my Rams against San Jose State over the weekend, but yeah, I mean, it's really cool. Tim Miles is very widely regarded as one of the best guys in college basketball. CSU fans obviously love him for what he did. You can't help but be happy for him just because I think his stock took a little bit of a hit after what happened at Nebraska. And to me, that's kind of crazy because when you look at what he did there compared to everything else, he's, I mean, kind of the high point. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where they finish how long he's there. Like I'll be curious to see how hot of a candidate he becomes these next couple of years, or if he's even interested in moving along. I mean, San Jose is a pretty sweet spot to live aside from the, the fact that they don't have much history, but good answers. I was just curious. I feel like New Mexico is kind of like Wyoming last year where it's, you knew they had talent, you knew they had a lot of veteran pieces, but they have certainly ascended just kind of further and their jump defensively has just been really significant. Yeah, yeah, it really has. When I spoke with uh, Richard Patino for the Almanac previews, I think one of the things that he was really harping on was that they just needed someone besides Mashburn or House to step up. And I think we all kind of knew that that was going to be a player in the front court because last year, uh, just the answers weren't there. They didn't have depth in the front court. They didn't have a whole lot of size, at least effectively. Um, but the additions of Josiah Alec and uh, Morris Udesi have, have been massive. I didn't think that those two guys would have the impact that they have. And it just makes the offense that much more challenging to stop because you don't really know who's going to be the guy for them. And uh, defensively, they've they've improved a ton. But it's it's just crazy that we're here January of 2023, uh, not even, what, two and a half years removed from where New Mexico was uh, where that program was as far as the, the COVID year where they played all their games away from Albuquerque. And it was the, the program was just in disarray. And to, to be back in this position already, I, I don't, I, I don't know how the season will unfold for them, but to be in this position where the pits, the pits kind of back and they're back in the top 25, all that stuff, it's, it's just really cool. And it's good for the conference overall. I'm glad you brought that up because I think everybody that's followed this league long enough understands that they, kind of need San Diego State and New Mexico and I would throw UNLV in the conversation too to be competitive just because they have that I don't know like established brand recognition at this point like as good as some of these Utah State and Nevada teams have been the last couple of years I think just in terms of a getting national respect having these three teams be back in the conversation again is great especially when you have I mean, obviously CSU is down at the moment, but Wyoming and Boise State and Utah State and all these other teams, like it really is a great basketball conference. So on on that tune, coming off of a year where you got four bids, how good is the league this year? You don't have to answer how many bids you think it's going to get because who knows? I mean, conference play is going to get all wonky, but it, better than last year? Is it better than you expected? Where are you at? Yeah, I think... I think it's as deep as it's ever been. And I think that that is so important because as i as i tweeted a couple of days ago uh san jose state them being now in the top 150 top 130 of ken palm that means when you go and play the spartans that's a quad two game and that's 
that's unheard of because San Jose State's been the team that's been lowly ranked in the conference. But when the the 10th and 11th place teams in this league are in top 130, top four, top 140 teams, that's a huge, huge deal. I mean, there are a lot of power conferences that can't even say that like Louisville of the world, Cal's of the world, like those, those teams are are buried in all of these metrics and rankings. So I, I think that it bodes really well for the conference as far as getting several teams into the NCAA tournament. I think it's way too soon to even tell you who that is. Like I imagine San Diego state's going to make it New Mexico, uh, Boise state, Utah state, those kind of, those teams are probably a bit on the fence right now. Um, but I do know that, when the conference performs well in non-league play and you have pretty much every single team minus, I guess, Wyoming and Fresno State entering with a winning record, then it it just boosts the overall conference. And, and these types of games where it's a game that you can't afford to lose is now a quality win opportunity, which is it's such a it's such a different type of atmosphere for the league to be in that position. So. I don't think it's necessarily as top heavy as it has been in years past. I don't think there's a a 2020 San Diego State in here. I don't even think there's probably a 2020 2022 Colorado State in here. But I do think the overall depth of the league should get at least a handful of teams somewhere in the seven to I'd say eleven seed line or something along those lines. I think it's important that they did well in the non-conference slate just because. I think it was Ziegler that that brought it up, but a lot of the quality wins last year were kind of Mountain West teams beating other Mountain West teams, and they didn't really have a ton of signature wins, you know, in that opening month. They got that this year, you know, they had a couple of them, and we'll see how it all plays out. But I, I as a Mountain West guy, I think it's nice just because while the league has not had the success in the NCAA tournament, and it drives me crazy because I have to come back year after year and make the same argument. It really is a really fun basketball conference with a lot of really good teams, unique home atmospheres. I mean, it's it's not an easy league to consistently win in. No, no, not at all. It's it's a challenge to win consistently. And I've talked to different head coaches, different assistants around this league. Not only the geography of it, because it um, doing a Wyoming Colorado State swing in in late January that's not easy to do. Um, now going and to play San Diego State and San Jose State, I mean that's not going to be an easy two game run either. It's it's really hard, but especially when the fan bases are engaged, because at this point, pretty much every team in the league, save for maybe I don't know if you want to put UNLV in there, and it's, and it's not even to throw shots at particular fan bases, but pretty much every team in this conference has been good within the last few years at some point. And I think the fans realize that and understand that it could be pretty much anybody's year. And there are a lot of circumstances where you know when your team is not going to be good a particular season. There's really not a whole lot of interest in showing up. But this year, it's it's so wide open. It is it is so wide open. I think it just makes all of these fan bases that much more engaged, and it makes the overall product that much more fun. So I'm I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out. And and from from one to 11, it's really hard to say who's going to finish where because I really think the depth of the league is that great and it's just, it's that wide open. We'll get right back to that interview, but real quick, the fans, the tradition, the glory, there's nothing more thrilling than college football. It's bowl season and the action is far from over. My go-to for betting this season is with DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. 
We've got what will hopefully be an epic national championship game coming up between Georgia and TCU. There is no better place to get in on the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings' same-game parlay. Maybe you're really in on this Georgia defense to stifle the Horn Frogs, take the under on TCU's point total, Maybe you think Georgia's going to keep it rolling. You take the over. Whatever you want to do, just make sure you're doing it with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now. Use the code DNVR. New customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 if your team does. That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Of course, we've also got to shout out our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion. There's really no better way to watch a game than having some ice-cold Breck Brews on deck. They've been doing it for 32 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. It's made with 100% renewable energy. We stand a globally uh, conscious company. But what's really dope is just the selection that they offer. I love Avalanche Ale. You can't go wrong with a classic. We just went through the holidays, obviously. The, the mini kegs of Christmas ale is always going to be a hit. One of their new ones, Buddy Pass, is epic. It's aged in a whiskey barrel. Really, really tasty. And coming up shortly, we are going to have the new release of the Mile High City Golden Ale, a special collab with the Nuggets. Certainly cannot wait for that one. Check out all their beers with the beer locator at breckbrew.com. Find a liquor store, grocery store, whatever near you. Take all of the hassle out of your beer shopping experience. Speaking of some of those bottom teams, I say bottom in with air quotations here, but Wyoming, they returned, you know, just about everybody as far as their key pieces go. I mean, they lose Drake Jeffries, which was a massive part of what they did, spacing the floor. One of the best three-point shooters in the country, but it's obviously been a, a, a wonky start for them. What's the deal? I mean, I've heard some stuff about the Pac-12 transfers not gelling uh, great and based on kind of the limited minutes some of those guys are playing now, that is probably true. What's the deal with this Wyoming team? And, and can they be dangerous, you know, come March? Because that's the thing I keep preaching on this pod about CSU is it's obviously frustrating right now. They're coming off of a... I mean, it's it's an unacceptable home loss. As much as I want to hype up San Jose State, it's a great team. When you're up 14 at home, that's it's a tough way to lose. But can this Wyoming team be dangerous come March? I I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I think you have to start with Graham Ek not being available with his injury that he's he's had. It's kept him out because he could very well be the best player in the conference, um, and and has shown that that level of play throughout his career. But I thought that uh, reading preseason articles about Wyoming and preseason top twenty fives and things like that, I thought people were really kind of understating the loss of Drake Jeffries because. This team played such in and out basketball last year with posting up EK and Maldonado that they needed at least one guy on the floor who could space the floor at all times. And and Jeffries was perfect at that because he could hit from 30 feet with relative ease. And um, that one was kind of passed over, I think, because of the returns of EK and and Maldonado. But um, it's it just it's gone sideways. And I don't I don't know. 
when EK is going to be available. If he is going to be available, I would have to imagine if he returns that that's going to be a major boost and at least least gives a post presence to this team. But I I don't think the the transfers have gelled quite as well as, well, uh, clearly haven't gelled quite as well as a lot of people imagine, but it's it's just kind of surprising, even even with the loss of EK, that this team hasn't figured it out yet. Um, but I I do think when a team is so reliant on scoring around the basket, post ups, things of that nature, you have to have someone who can spread it out, or teams are just going to clog up the lane. And we saw Indiana do that against Wyoming in the NCAA tournament last year, and when the shots weren't falling, it's it's a team that doesn't always have the answers. So. I, I don't know. I I would like for Wyoming to figure it out because I think that they were a really cool story last year. And it's and I think Jeff Linder's a great basketball mind. But as of right now, without EK, without someone who's been that kind of noted shot creator next to um Maldonado, I, I I don't necessarily see how they can figure things out with just the depth of the league right now. It's it's gonna be an uphill climb for sure. I did a really poor job of framing that question. So way to way to <laughs> save it with a solid answer. What I was trying to get to is what I keep saying with CSU is I still think come March, they're going to be much more competitive than they are right now, assuming that they get healthy. CSU has had injury problems. So has Wyoming. It's just been interesting that these two top teams have kind of not lived up to expectations, but I'm glad that you framed it that way because I think the expectations for Wyoming were probably too high. And even CSU to an extent, I know Isaiah Stevens coming back is huge. They added a lot of guys that are intriguing talent-wise, you know, Patrick Cartier, Josiah Strong. But when you lose a first-round pick in David Roddy, when you lose the roster continuity that they had these last couple of years with some of the other guys, Deshaun Thomas, Thistlewood, Kendall Moore, all moving on, I think it's to be expected that there were going to be some ups and downs. That said, there have been more downs uh, than ups of late. So I, I wanted to pick your brain on, on CSU. I mean, how, should be we be hitting the panic button? Does this feel salvageable to you? My hard thing is with, you know, Tavy Jackson being hurt of late, Josiah barely playing at all, now Jalen Lake's missing time. We, we haven't seen a single game this season where they haven't been missing at least two guys that you would ideally be playing 25 plus minutes a night. Yeah, that's it. it. I didn't, I never wanted to hop on the podcast and say that CSU's issues are all injury related, but that that's a huge piece of the puzzle here. When you're when you're not really playing with a full roster, and I think that depth is so important, particularly in January and February. I think in March you can kind of trim up a rota- rotation of seven or eight guys, but right now when you're making these road trips and you're playing two games in the span of just a few days, like you need to have eight, nine, ten guys who can chip in. 15, 20 minutes a night. And that just hasn't been the case for CSU so far. I'm I'm glad that Isaiah Stevens is back and he hasn't really missed a beat. He's he's been as great as he, he ever is, but um just not a whole lot of depth with this team. And it 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 was one of the things entering the year too with David Roddy, who uh, to to his credit, and I don't think anyone has hard, has hard feelings about it, but he um, made his draft decision late in the process, um, but obviously wanted to gather the information that he felt he needed to gather. And CSU staff never had an issue with any of that. Um, but the timing of that was was a challenge. And then uh, to lose Jenison to an injury that was a major setback because he was supposed to uh, have a pretty, I would say, pretty significant role with this year's team in the front court. Yeah, um, I mean, he was going to start. Like this, the yeah. way the coaches were talking about him, there, there was, you know. 
They said nobody had made more improvement the last year yeah. and a half than Jenison. And he's just yeah. a guy that can't catch a break, unfortunately. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But no, 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 you're point. good. Yeah. No, that's, and I, I heard the same thing too. And there was a lot of potential around this guy and what he would bring to this team. So you, you effectively lose one guy you probably thought you were going to lose, who you're not going to replace anyways. I mean, there's not another David Roddy coming around. There won't be for, for quite some time. Uh, but then to lose, as you said, probably another starter down low and to have to scramble a little bit for depth um, and then to even have injuries on top of that with Stevens missing a handful of games and now the depth behind him, like as you mentioned, uh, with Jackson being out, Lake being out, Josiah Strong was supposed to be this uh, uh, the bucket getter who was supposed to be next to Isaiah Stevens. He's been out too. It's like to to even be where they are right now, it is at eight, eight and seven, I think it a lot of people wouldn't want to hear this, but it's probably a a decent spot for where the all of these hits have come from. I I don't think to to put it this way, I think that Wyoming's issues right now are I, I I'd have a hard time saying that they're salvageable at least anytime soon. I think that that where the team is at right now, that's gonna be tough to recover from. But when CSU has yet to really play, as you said, a game with their full rotation, um, I, I think this thing can be figured out. It's obviously going to take some time and guys are going to have to heal and everything like that. But we know that Nika Medved is a great coach. We know that he is able to make do with the pieces that he has. I think we entered the year knowing that there were some limitations with this roster. They're, they're not really overwhelmingly big. They're, they don't crash the boards very well at all. Um, and they they need guys who can hit shots around Isaiah Stevens. I I still think that they could be at full strength, dangerous enough to win a handful of games in the Mountain West tournament, and and be where we kind of thought they were entering the year. Now, at large consideration, that's that's out the window right now. I think that that's pretty fair assessment. But um, when it comes down to backs against the wall in March, I I think if they're at full strength, I think this thing can be salvaged. I wouldn't want to play Isaiah Stevens in the Mountain West tournament if they're able to get this rolling. And I I naturally, with the way that I cover things, you know, I, I try to stay as positive as possible. So, you know, I'm I'm if you listen to me and want me to be like, oh, everything sucks, and I'm just never gonna be that guy. I try and at least look at it rationally, but it makes me feel good that you can see that. Cause I think it's frustrating, obviously, right now to lose the way that they have and the combination of getting routed by New Mexico, followed up by the home loss and the way they blew it. You know, like that's frustrating. I just, I have a hard time being too overly critical. And I almost feel like they've overachieved in some of these other performances when you look at, I mean, obviously the St. Mary's win, but Loyola was good. I think if you have a healthy squad, that USC game is at least shaky for them. I mean, they were in it even with the shorthanded squad. I don't know. The, the sky is not falling, I guess, is my point here. And and it's nice when you have faith in the staff and you've seen in the past that they can actually make adjustments as the season goes on because that's not the case with every team. Yeah, no, you, 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 you said it well there. And I think just looking at their schedule, I think St. Mary's on the road is not a game that they were supposed to win. And I think that Northern Colorado was a game that they were supposed to win. And then besides that, they've lost to teams, um, probably safe for San Jose State. They've lost to teams that will most likely be in the NCAA tournament. Like losing to Charleston, that's not they they're ranked now. That's not a bad loss. Penn State, you know, they're they're another team that's knocking on the door. Like these aren't these aren't bad teams. New Mexico's ranked now. Like these aren't bad teams that they've lost to. They've been competitive 
in most games, um, you know, the Colorado game and the Mexico game, I think are the only ones that really stand out to me, if I remember correctly, that have been um, games where they weren't competitive. But for the most part, to to show up in a lot of these matchups, a lot of these games have been kind of 50-50 splits that they haven't been able to, to close down the stretch. So um, it doesn't get any easier from here. That's kind of the, the not-so-good part. Uh, but at the same time, it allows the team to um, go on these road trips or have opportunities at home against quality competition start to feel things out. Because I think that when you're in a position like New Mexico is, or maybe like Boise State is, you're you're teetering on this at large bubble situation where, you know, if you lose tonight, things are things are gonna go awry really, really quick. But I don't think CSU has the same target on the back that it maybe did last year. And maybe that could be a good thing. I don't know. They're they're figuring out a lot of things, but I think at its best, this is going to be a team that can stretch the floor, that can run it, that can hit a lot of shots, that uses Isaiah Stevens and everything that he brings to the floor and has defense that is just good enough to get enough stops that they can come out victorious in games that are played in the 70s. I think that's kind of I think that's kind of the recipe from here for CSU. It's going to be interesting. The the tough part is you just you have no easy stretches, you know. It, it's great to see the Mountain West great, but now it's, you know, you're reeling, you've lost last two. And you're awarded with a trip to Reno to face the Nevada team that's better than expected, I would say. Did we all write Steve Alford off a little too early? It, I, I didn't have much uh, much promise in the Nevada team this year. They've been impressive. Um, but I, I do think just looking at their schedule, if if there is a time where they can kind of build a little bit of momentum, I think this next three-game stretch of Nevada and then at home against Fresno State and Air Force, that's that's probably about as easy of a three game stretch as you can find the mountain West this year. And and that's, and that's kind of saying something in that regard, but um, yeah, the, the depth of the league has been, has been crazy because there isn't going to be looking at the schedule. There's only two times the rest of the year where CSU isn't playing um, a, a top 100 team in, in back-to-back games. Like it's, it's getting that difficult from here on out. So uh, we'll see, they need to get healthy. Um, but they have proven, I think, that win against St. Mary's that they are capable of beating some good teams, um, dominant against South Carolina. I, I, I think that it's not time to wave the white flag, is what I'm saying for CSU right now. Just kind of off of that, we don't have to go too far into the weeds here. But what are the keys for CSU against Nevada Wednesday night, late night game, uh, 8:30 Mountain tip off? How do the Rams snap their losing streak? What does Nevada do well? Yeah, I mean, this is this is an, going to be another challenging matchup, and Nevada's proven again to be a really tough place to play. They haven't lost a game at home this year. Uh, I think one of the things that that they've been able to do so far this season is just kind of play steady basketball. Like they don't turn the ball over very much. They get to the line. They do all these things that contribute to winning. I don't think that they're necessarily overwhelming in any one aspect. Um, I think that they've just been kind of a a steady team. They don't really shoot as well as most Steve Alford teams shoot. I just don't think that that is necessarily this team's makeup. Um, But what they have done uh, pretty well is get those types of grind out victories. So I think that for CSU to pick up a win in this one, they they need to find a way to to hit enough shots. And that's uh, obviously a cliche, but it's going to be, Tough to do against a Nevada team that's really long. They have a lot of length and a lot of athleticism on their team. Um, and, and just to not fall behind too early, I think, especially in a place like Nevada, which 
it's not necessarily where it was under Eric Musselman, but that that place gets pretty rowdy. And they, the attendance is back there. I think that they're starting to feel some momentum given the way that they've started. So um, being able to kind of settle down and, and not make mistakes, I think, is going to be really key for them to to keep this game close. But I'm, I'm expecting a close game either way. Well, CSU is not very popular in Reno these days either after the, the whole Jay Norvell situation. So right, right. I, I imagine it'll be a hostile atmosphere despite the fact that these schools don't have like a historic rivalry or anything like that. Um, Gerard Lucas, obviously senior guard is a guy that can put up points in a hurry, averaging 17 and a half a game. I haven't gotten to watch Nevada quite as much um, in the preseason as I would have liked to. I mean, is is he offset the loss of Grant Sherfield? I just he he was so ball dominant with the way that they played. It's it's I'm just kind of interested to see what does that even look like without him. Yeah, it's it's an interesting makeup with this Nevada team. I think that they're wearing more balance than they were uh last season. And I spoke with Alfred and he didn't really explicitly say it, I'm paraphrasing, but they they did not have good shot selection last year. And um I mean to his credit, Grant Sherfield's done a really good job with Oklahoma this season, but it was not a good fit with last year's team with how that team was set up with Cambridge and Sherfield. Just they could keep you in games, but they could also shoot their way out of games. And we saw the, both the good and bad rear their head uh, late in the season last year. But this year's team has way more balance. And I think they've got kind of a good arsenal of shooters with Lucas, uh, Davidson, and Coleman have also kind of stepped up and been better shooters than we expected. Still, I think that they have times where they can get cold from the field and, and go into some of those droughts. But I do think that an improved defense makes up for that uh, in, in that regard. But um, yeah, Lucas is phenomenal. And we saw what he did with Oregon state in their elite eight run, just a great catch and shoot guy, who, super active off the ball. And, and when he catches it, he can hit from just about anywhere, but they just, they're a steady team. They, they pass the ball really well. They don't turn it over and they have just enough shot making to, to be dangerous against a lot of these teams. So um, it's, it's, it's not, like I said, it's not really an overwhelming team. They're not going to wow you in any particular way, but they, they put up, put up enough points on the board and have athleticism to get it done. This is just kind of a, a gut check where you're at right now. Uh, this is not you like going on record saying anything definitive. I'm trying to keep the Twitter, the Twitter mobs out <laughs> of but we always but, uh, <laughs> What's your gut say? Who wins the league this year? Does San Diego State hold on? I mean, they were obviously the he the heavy favorite. Offensively, New Mexico, though, I mean, if they hit threes the way they did against CSU with the pace that they can play at, I don't know. I think they're a fun pick. Yeah, they are a fun pick. I think as of right now, it's probably a pick them between the two. Uh, I'll lead. Uh, I'll lean with San Diego State just because I think that their depth and just the overall potential of, of that team is is something to uh, is something to be reckoned with. And the teams that they've lost to, they've lost to Arizona, Arkansas, and St. Mary's. Those are all <laughs> elite of the elite in college basketball right now. So I think that maybe their offense isn't quite nearly as far along as I was expecting. It's still a, a massive improvement over last year. Uh, they had some games last year that were just they'd go between media timeouts without hitting a bucket, and it was and it could be a challenge in that in that sense, but I I'm still leaning SDSU. I think New Mexico's made a really reasonable case, but even from whoever's going to finish three through five, like I don't think Boise state or Utah state are, are going to be too far behind. I think they've been really, really good. Um, they're going to be tough to beat at home. And 
even if you want to toss in like the the Nevada schools, Nevada and UNLV, I think they should be right there as well. So it's it's gonna be busy at the top, and whoever's finishing eighth, ninth, tenth in the league, they're gonna be really good teams as well. So um, I'll lead I'll lean with San Diego State for now, um, but I think New Mexico has made a really compelling case to be right there with just how explosive that offense has been. Who's your player of the year? And I mean, again, it's Jan it's early January, but who would your player of the year be? I, I think it's got to be Jalen House for me. I, I think that he's just so dynamic and uh, he plays so aggressive on both ends. But he he plays aggressive, but he isn't reckless. Um, I always expect. Whenever I look up his stats, when I watch him play, I always expect his turnover rate to be something around like 20 plus percent. But he takes good care of the basketball. He knows how to hit shots. And he's just he's so dynamic on the defensive end, being able to to read opposing guards and and get steals that fire up the crowd. He's just an electrifying player. I just love watching him watch uh, watching him play. So I think I think he'd be my pick right now for who's going to wind up winning it. I'm right there with you. He's had the moments too, like the Wyoming game the other day. And I don't know. I just, that team is fun. It's, it's good yeah. when the pit is roaring. It's cool to see the support like Albuquerque will, will support that program in, in ways that just few fan bases will. So objectively as a Mountain West guy, it's good. It's always good to chat hoops with you, man. It's been way too long. Hopefully you can see you in person here soon. I don't know if you're going to be traveling at all for the Mountain West slate, uh, but if you are hit me up, Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Check out Heat Check CBB. You're not going to find better basketball coverage uh, regarding the Mountain West or really anywhere around the country than you will over there. Thanks for joining me, dude. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, man. Machetes at a deli in New Delhi Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice The water's the truth, so I sip on that too Skinny looking kid with no car keys Like the only thing I drive is RCRV's Got the stash like Steve Harvey Oh, I'm gnarly